What's up, everybody? You were listening to Suds Buds Presents Pints and Pixar, the show where we chat about the films of our childhood over an adult beverage. Sometimes two. Occasionally three, but rarely, because that usually doesn't go too good for us. But We uh, used to do that. I mean, it used to be a th- for sure three. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Woo! Um, yeah, co-host, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm Eric <laughs> Anderson, uh, and, and the guy that just wooed is, uh, that's Nate. He's yeah, that's usually me. here with me. Um... Yeah, he's a dude with long hair that works at a rib fest sometimes. Yeah, you know, one two rib fest. Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, I like ribs. You yeah, know, I like festing. Uh, what I don't like is the fact that I feel really dumb right now. My brain feels fried because Nate just showed me a music video of Kids Bop Evanescence, and it's about just as bad as it sounds. Um, is a lizard dancing? It's doing like the Running Man for a little bit, and I I don't highly recommend just search up wake search wake me up lizard um you'll find it it's a little animated lizard uh dancing on a disco floor to evanescence version or kids bop version of evanescence yeah where do we go from here Uh, well i mean i think that's a wrap i think we call it a day what is even oatmeal (laughs) uh it's a lizard dancing it's a soup it's not a soup been over this this is not the time to rehash this sounds like you want to rehash it you're looking at me like you're you're gonna rehash it here if we put that one to rest is uh pico de gallo a salsa or a salad it's it's a it's a salsa sure not a salad not a salad why would it be a salad uh, because it's a number of a medley of vegetables that are uh, unified with a, a dressing, a sauce. Yeah, but, I mean, what's the difference between a medley and a salsa, then? Well, maybe a salsa is just a type of salad. I think you, well, not that you couldn't just eat spoonfuls of salsa. Um, it's actually, that would that might be a big difference. Is there salads you eat with a spoon? Fruit salad, maybe? Pasta salad, maybe? I mean, no, I mean, you could eat those with a spoon, but you couldn't eat salsa with a fork. You couldn't eat pico with a fork. Yeah, but what's the pasta salad that's got the real tiny round noodles? Is that vermicelli? Oh, um, I know what you're talking about. I haven't had that in a long time. Rigatoni? R- <laughs> it's not rigatoni. I'm just going to start throwing Chef Boyardee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Like SpaghettiOs. Spaghetti-o? I mean... Is... Pasta or salad? <laughs> Pretty sure that's pasta. Is I don't, know, pasta that, I don't know that there's a vegetable in that. Tomatoes? I guess it's a tomato sauce. Yeah. No. No. Chef Boyardee is pasta. Pico de Gallo is salsa. Neither of them are salads. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Wake me up, you know? wake me up too man i'm dragging my feet a little bit uh for everyone listening we had a delightful lunch uh a beautiful spread of ethiopian food Ah, so good shout out to bole always whipping it up fresh tasty spicy oh nice restaurant a couple blocks away from the 
the studio in, porch in sunny California. Yep. Which by the way, pre- got, got a great pretty, view. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they uh, they have a, a bole in uh, in St. Paul, don't they? Uh, yeah, that's a bit north of us, though. You're talking like up... Uh, well, if our listeners wanted to, you know, try bole. Yeah. 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 St. Paul, California? No, St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, oh, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Damn, they have one out there. I'm pretty sure they got one out there. Well, if we got any Minnesota listeners, uh, check out Bole in St. Paul. And if it's not there, blame Nate. Don't tell me what to do. Uh, yeah, other than that, it's been a been a good week. Did some camping at Joshua Tree. Uh, went down to Venice Beach for a couple of days. I uh, got some good seafood on the pier. Nice. Um, yeah, man. Just went to Muscle Beach. Yeah, went to Muscle Beach, met yep. Dustin there. Dustin's been doing a lot of work there. Yep. Uh, a lot of community outreach. Yeah, yeah. And and slinging anabolics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, is that what... The boy's got to make some, some money on the side. You yeah, know? maybe that is his community outreach. Getting everybody swole. Everybody into their perfect shape. Yeah. You know, yeah. the macros. <laughs> the macros. <laughs> Him and my brother would either become best friends or hate each other. I'm not sure. <laughs> I want them both to have a very, like, a slightly different opinion, but very strong opinions on the same thing. Where they're technically arguing just semantics. Well, yes. My brother is, my brother is not one to argue with, because he doesn't really have super strong opinions. He's a pretty easygoing dude. Unlike, unlike you, you know. Unlike me. Yeah. Yeah. Very hard-headed. Very hard-headed. Um, Yeah. Pretty much, uh, you can't talk with the guy. He Pretty talks. Mean. He talks at you. I talk. Yeah. Yeah. Some say I talk through them. <laughs> uh. Forgot about that one. Pretty good. Eric almost got into a bar fight with a patron. Wow. All the guy just the guy just kept saying, "Stop talking through me." Yeah. Like, I don't know what that means. I told him to stop moving tables in the middle of a concert night when there were people dancing, and he's like. Granted, this is a bar. It's not the Target Center. But if you think of a, a general admission area at uh, a concert, that's basically what we had going here. We kind of had tables pushed to the back, so there could be a, a dance floor of sorts. This is all obviously pre-COVID. Yep. Um, and yeah, this gentleman just thought it would go totally unnoticed to like put a table in the middle of like standing room. And not just one, then like three more to push up next to it. And... I think you asked them to stop doing it at two, and then they just kept doing it. They tried to add a third. Yeah, yeah. Then he threw a spin kick at me, and I caught it and tripped him and caught him with a Kimura from side control. Yeah, well, and then Eric, uh, you know, climbed to the top bar and... Uh, oh, that's yeah. right. I forgot about that. I jumped off that ladder. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it was kind of weird that we just had a ladder sitting out there, but we for sure did. A lot of a lot of us jumping off ladders at Bald Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Too soon? No, it's not too soon. No, he's back. Now. He, he's back. Yeah, I would have said the same thing in front of him. So I feel like that's kind of the <laughs> pretty good <laughs> rule of roasting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What else? It's it's been a good time. You've been having a good week, Nate. Yeah, it's been pretty easy. You week. had a bit of a birthday yesterday. I had, had a bit of a birthday. A little birthday. Uh, got a great gift. Uh, my brother got me a bottle of cognac signed by rapper 50 cent um so now i just have a 50 cent bottle yep uh pretty excited about that um what else i do 
uh, got a hankering for watching Jurassic Park movies. Nice. Yeah. You know, like, and like then you, that's all you can think about. Um, got some uh, some peanut butter silk pie. Okay. Good. Uh, shout out to Anna for enabling me on that one. Uh, then drank uh, some Glen Morangy single malt scotch. Nice. Kind of rounded out the night. It was a good day. Hell yeah. It sounds yeah. like a good birthday. Yeah. I had a fun time. Well, shout out. Happy birthday to, uh, to one half of the Suds Buds. Hey, that's me. That's me. Yeah. 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 That's Nate. That's me. Uh, yeah. What else we got for good ho- housekeeping this week? Um, did some uh, disc golfing yesterday. Went to a, you went to a wrestling match, I heard. Uh, yes, I did go to a pro wrestling event. That was on Friday, last Friday. Um, very nice time. Beautiful weather. Good crowd. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. Took me back to my, my roots. Haven't been to a wrestling show in a while, much less an independent wrestling show, which if anyone knows what I'm talking about, there's a whole different vibe when you go to wrestling at an arena versus wrestling at like a local VFW. And I tend to like the latter more, but that's just a personal taste. But, uh, if you like wrestling or you adamantly despise wrestling, I would highly recommend taking advantage of a local wrestling show near you. It'll either uh, it, you'll either love it or it'll vindicate your beliefs on hating it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just go into it with an open mind. I promise you, it won't be that bad. So uh, quite the idea. Yeah. 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 Go into everything with an open mind. Speaking of open minds, was that was that the segue? Was that were you doing a segue there? I mean, it counts. We'll take it. All right, pretty good. Uh, we are talking F- future in- reference. I don't think you should ask if that's the segue. Oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna point it, it out. Just take it. <laughs> I ain't doing it. I don't want people, you know, jarred. Um, but we are talking uh, inside out today. We are on uh, on Pints and Pixar. Do we want to reference last week's episode at all? Um, I mean, I guess we could talk a little bit about it. Had a little bit of a court case. A little uh, bit of a court case. I'm not going to talk about the verdict at all because we don't really want to do that. We're not going to. We don't want to rehash these things. No, don't no. want to open up old wounds. But uh, <laughs> needless to say, um, things I don't think ended up as bad for Carl as they could have, and uh, we wish that uh, that runaway felon uh, best of luck on all future endeavors. <laughs> Nate, you got any words for your client? Uh, you know, um, my invoice is in the mail. <laughs> I'm a great defense attorney. Yep. Yep. Lose and charge. Yep. Lose and charge. <laughs> Suds and law. You know. <laughs> Nate and Nate. Just going to call that. That's my thing. Ooh, Suds, buds, attorneys at law. It's got Ooh, a ring to it. That does have a ring to it. Should we and, become ambulance chasers? Ooh, we could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if anybody's got any uh, any legal battles they want us to try to tackle, you know, reach out uh, sudsbudspod.law.gmail. But we we gotta just preface: we refuse to take on any traffic incidents that involve alcohol. That's contrary true. to our name, yes, uh, we're not advocates of drinking and driving. But yeah, shit, we... you rear end someone, uh, yeah, we'll we'll pull up and give you our card. Yeah. We also might give our card to the other person, then we'll just duke it out. Ooh, <laughs> fight ourselves in court. That that could be a lot of fun, actually. I wonder if that's been done before. I mean, then we'd have a hundred percent success rate. Yeah, 
I mean, we always bring home the W. That's got to be like a big like scheme that's happened in the legal world that I'm just not familiar with. Representing both sides? Yeah, a law firm that has uh, a defense attorney and a prosecutor under their umbrella, and they both take on different parties of the same case, basically guaranteeing a win. Again, 100% success rate. But then also, don't you guarantee a loss? Huh? Well, guarantee a loss, but... It, what I mean, it's all about phrasing. We could say something along the lines of, uh, you know, we've won every case that we've been a part of. Ooh, you our slogan, I mean? dude. Suds buds, attorneys at law. <laughs> Your law firm that always breaks even. <laughs> you break it, we break even. Ooh, I like that. I'm feeling good. Uh, gonna get some business cards mocked up. Nice. Be handing them out. You are quite the graphic designer. <laughs> Crudely photoshopped is always uh, preferred. Yep. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Just take somebody else's law um, advertisements and just put our faces over it. Do we like show up to the scene of the crash dressed as like Mr. and Mrs. Incredible? <laughs> we dress as different Pixar characters for every crash. I'm just looking thick AF in my Elastigirl suit. <laughs> just a gem you know <laughs> i'm just trying to lift cars we need to stop i think nate's picturing me as a last girl right now and <laughs> it's making me bothered um well i'm glad you made it here i'm glad you're safe i'm glad you you made it one more year around the sun hopefully we're still doing this a year from now and i can wish you happy birthday again Aww. but yeah, uh that's the nicest thing you ever said to me <laughs> In the meantime, if you want to say something nice to Nate, we are sudsbudspod at gmail.com and sudsbudspod on Instagram. Message Nate for a happy birthday and uh, he'll buy you a beer. <laughs> nope. I'll hold him to it. Didn't. Oh, shit. Jesus. <laughs> the, the first five birthday wishes, I'll buy a beer. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a perfect deal. We it, get a little audience interaction and the birthday boy gets uh, spend some of his birthday bucks. Exactly. Got that, got that crisp 20 from my grandma. <laughs> Nice. I actually did get a crisp twenty from my grandma. Like it was, Her I, grandma's I, just the best, dude. I honestly think she got like went to a bank to get it. Like it was, yeah, it was extra crispy. It was so crisp. Yeah. Perfect, fresh off the, you know, fresh off the print. I love it. Nothing but the best. I mean, she's a grandma. Maybe she just ironed it before she gave it to you. That's also very possible. <laughs> just tossed it in with the laundry. Yeah. You know, laundered yeah. money. Are you calling my grandma a money launderer? No, but I think you just did. Well, there's no way to know. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do here, pal. I'm going to crack open the conversation. You're not going to get any. I'm I'm just cracking open the conversation. That's fine. Uh, Crack open the conversation with us if you're not driving or in the workplace. Um, Yeah, today we're drinking a beer from Revelation Ale Works. It is Edison's. And they crossed out the second part. So... I don't know why, but uh, yeah, it's Edison's New England IPA, and I thought that said 16.4% alcohol or volume, but it is 6.4. It says New England style IPA made with Minnesota vertical pale and wheat malt, oats, citra, and mosaic hops. I like them both, and East Coast ale yeast. Uh, brewed and canned in Hallock, Minnesota. Population, 981. Um, I don't know Minnesota that well, but I do know Hallock is about as far north in Minnesota as you can get. 
uh, before coming to Canada. I guess you got a little ground to cover, but it's she up there. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, at that point, there's no way they even self-distribute, right? But like for an, a brewery in a town of that small, I don't know. Yeah, I got to imagine they don't do probably most of their volume through the tap room being up in a town that small. But probably you not. never know. You never know. Um, yeah, this is like super carbonated. It is a light kind of hazy straw color. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. It looks I, nice. I was going to say, I feel like I know what it's going to taste like just based off what you described there. Yeah, that's about what I thought. No, I'm, I'm into it. But uh, we'll uh, we'll ferment on that, you know. It's a fizzy boy for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, what do we uh, what do we think about diving in here? Yeah, it looks like you came prepared. You're pulling up your phone to go over the, the Wikipedia. I got my got all somewhere. I got all my notes. Okay, Eric. Uh, you mean you got Wikipedia's notes, Eric? Don't well, worry. <laughs> we'll get to the original portion of the show later. <laughs> he is spicy. Sounds like there's some some tough feelings out here. I don't know. Well, well, spicy. Uh, it was all that Ethiopian food you had. I you just know? don't think Carl quite got what he deserved. But. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, you know, teach their own. Makes me fear for, you know, future generations when heinous acts like that can be committed and go unpunished. But. Well, yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, agree to disagree. Anyway, inside out. Uh, we start off um, with. Uh, basically just kind of like some light flashing um yeah like some colors kind of flashing on screen and uh screen opens and um our would you call joy the main character in this yes. movie yeah and um the kid yeah riley riley joy and riley i would say are the main characters yeah um but anyway it is basically a scene where they're kind of setting the tone of Riley has just been born and the only, um, yeah. And then, uh, Joy's kind of watching it from inside her head. So Joy has just popped into existence. Riley's just popped into existence. Um, Joy is, I mean, it, she is an emotion, uh, just Joy. So kind of showing, um, you know, she hits this one button in front of her and the baby giggles. Um, and then all of a sudden another motion shows up. Um, was it, yeah, it was sadness. Yep. Yep. Um, sadness, the new character shows up, hits the button and Riley starts crying. Really kind of just setting the, um, the mechanics of the movie in motion where whoever, whichever emotion is hitting these buttons, that is the emotions that Riley is feeling at the time. Correct. Whoever's in control of the buttons. Um, and yeah so then we kind of flash forward um we let's see yeah um and joy kind of takes over and starts explaining how the whole system works um there are these orbs uh memory orbs that everything riley experiences kind of get stored into an orb and pushed through um sent into her long-term memory and then there's 
these core memories, which is the, the core. I mean, the core memories are things that define her personality. Yes. Um, one thing I will say with this, like as as we meet like the other couple characters, the other couple emotions in it, um, Joy is kind of annoying. <laughs> I, I found her to be kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, just constantly running, kind of like manipulative almost, trying to get everybody to do what she's doing. But it was kind of in Riley's best interest, or so she thought. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we kind of get an idea of Riley, or um, of Riley's family life. Um, she's how old at the time? She's... When she moves? Well, like, I mean, she's pretty much the same age throughout... She's born, and then she's roughly the same age throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Although, and they're flashing. I want to say it's, like, 10 or 11. I was going to say, like, elementary school age, probably, like, a third grader, fourth grader, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where was I? Yeah, the emotions happening, um, the orbs being stored, Joy kind of being uh, a bossy person. Ah, yes. We kind of find uh, out about riley's family life and some of her interests and stuff like she's big into hockey yep um and at this point we're currently following her and her family as they're preparing to leave minnesota basically Mm -hmm. um in route to california specifically san francisco yeah i think it's implied that it's a fictional city in minnesota um i actually don't know because i did i was looking it up and it was something like, it was clear, or she skated on Clear Lake. But also, it's one of those where there's probably a hundred clear lakes in Minnesota. Mm. Like, lakes. I don't know about town. But it's kind of like uh, Mud Lake. There's, like, 20 Mud Lakes in Minnesota. Sure. Um, I'd be willing to bet there's a shit ton of Clear Lakes. Or Silver Lakes. There's, like, a town of Silver Lake in Minnesota. And I know of there at least... There are a few Silver Lakes. Two Silver Lakes. I guess Clear Lake is a little too generic yeah i mean but it's possible i mean we got a silver lake and a clear lake here in california that's true uh i'm from actually it's a song that's just one of the lines is just i'm from silver lake and i don't give a damn yeah under the silver lake also a pretty bizarre movie i don't think i've seen it it's a weird one i think it's a 24 andrew garfield film probably came out now about three or four years ago okay but, uh, yeah, really weird, stylistic, kind of trippy. And if it's an A24 movie, those movies, there's a certain thing you expect when those movie, or when you watch a movie from them. Yeah. Yeah, this definitely lays into it. It's pretty surreal, but I'd recommend it. It's a weird yeah, one. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. One of the favorites is Salsa Dave. Oh. The, uh, the Honorable Judge Salsa Dave. Honorable. <laughs> I think we have to call him that now, anytime we reference him. I'm good. <laughs> I'll do it. Honorable Judge Salsa Dave. Um, anyway, so, yeah, we're kind of following the family as they move from Minnesota to California. Um, the other emotions are kind of trying to take their turn at the wheel, and Joy kind of manipulates them a little bit and just kept trying to keep Riley happy. Um, and then... We see um, kind of a, a thing that turns it a little bit is they pop up a memory onto the screen. Um, so they have the ability to make 
Riley remember things. Yes. And sadness reaches out and touches that memory, and it turns it into a blue orb or a sad orb. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody, all the other emotions kind of see that as sadness ruining these orbs. Um, so they kind of quarantine her off. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I <laughs> I don't know that there's a villain for this movie, but I would say like the person who did the most bad things would have probably been joy yeah it's kind of a weird thing where it's like on one hand i get it you know if we're watching this if we imagine there's kind of a an a plot and a b plot and a plot is riley and we imagine her as like the vehicle of the story and then the b plot is her emotions living in her head and they're kind of the the button pushers it would make sense to have joy kind of be the bossy character because we probably hope for most children that happiness is the predominant emotion they're feeling most of the time. I know it's not always the case, but in a perfect world, it would be. So it makes sense that you wouldn't want to have the sad emotion being the protagonist in this film. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I mean, they definitely personify these emotions where joy is kind of a, you know, a a constant optimist and... Anger is a curmudgeon with a short temper. And then, I mean, I'll flat out say it. Sadness is a person who's very much suffering from some form of depression. Mm -hmm. And the way that they deal with it in the film is basically putting her in a box and saying, stay away, don't touch anything. Yep. And I thought that was kind of a really messed up take because it's like, that only works if you don't try super hard to personify these characters. Which is exactly what they did. They basically made them like crane operators, you know, or Mm. button pushers. But it just, I agree. To me, it seemed like, well, that's the last way you should deal with that. Like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, like they, I don't know. You're right. Like they were trying to box off sadness. They're boxing sadness out basically the whole movie. Yeah. Um, oh, you're sad. You should go be by yourself forever. Exactly. Go stand in this this chalk ring over away from all the controls. Right. Um, and even throughout the movie, there was constantly that reminder of don't touch stuff. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. It was. Um, yeah. It was a kind of a weird. Like once you noticed it, you're just like, huh. Huh. Okay. Yeah, don't yeah. like that. Yep. Um, but anyway. Uh, sadness kind of keeps trying to, you know, be part of the team a little bit, um, kind of keeps touching stuff and ends up, um, or a core memory is formed from sadness. Um, so a blue orb. And at this point, all the core memories had only been joy. Um, so sadness gets this core memory and it starts going up into the core memory section and joy tries to stop it. She tries to pull it out, and they end up knocking loose all of the other core memories, and those all get sucked up the tube, like the tube that sends it to long-term memory. Yep. Um, which then deactivates all of the parts of Riley's personality. Like, the core memories are the things that make the islands. Yes. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, kind of deactivates. She loses all of her interests, basically. Um, and in this whole kind of tussle, whatever you want to call it, 
both joy and sadness get sucked out of the control room or as they call it headquarters which was kind of fun yeah uh, it was a fun name um and sent out um so yeah they they have now left what are the other emotions anger disgust disgust fear and fear um fear being voiced by was... bill Hader. yep anger by um whoops sorry about that that was uh, uh a little cameo from from phone audio sorry um i'm drawing a blank lewis black yeah um and then <laughs> sorry i don't know why i'm blanking on the cast so hard of this film it's basically just the office um disgust oh mindy kaling oh yeah 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 so amy poehler is joy phyllis smith is sadness mindy kaling is disgust bill Hader is fear and lewis black as anger and that's basically the ensemble of the five emotions which disgust um anger a little bit close for me but i could see how they could be different but i guess they're portrayed a little too close maybe yeah um i mean disgust kind of well she even mentioned like in there she prevents riley from getting poisoned which is more of like an instinct than a emotion but even her she was kind of just like sassy the whole time and just like Mm. didn't really like things whereas anger was like outwardly mad and just kind of short-tempered yeah but i don't know i thought they were kind of similar they were um which actually kind of brings us into our new point uh or next part of the story here um so with joy and sadness being kind of stuck outside of headquarters um the only three emotions left to run the or yeah control rally's emotions are anger disgust and um and fear yes Um, and they kind of try to do some things without joy kind of wrangling them all in um, they kind of start running wild a little bit, and they try to, um, they do their best to try to, like, fill in for joy, um, but it doesn't really work. No, not really well at all, and I mean, I guess we take, we kind of cut away from them, but really the next time we really go back to those three is they decide that the best course of action is to side with riley riley's feelings are right in their Mm -hmm. mind so their best course of action is to run away and while we don't get there till a little bit later that's basically the next thing that they more or less do of significance but before that happens we basically cut back to joy uh sadness and then eventually actually basically at this part um her imaginary friend um um riley's imaginary riley's imaginary friend who is um is that played by um, well his name his name is like two things right back to back bing it's, bong uh, bing bong bing yeah. bong that's richard right. kind um so yeah basically we we leave fear disgust and anger and then pick up on joy sadness and and bing bong bing bong yep um so they're kind of they're in the long-term memory area um trying to figure out a way to get back and meanwhile, the islands of uh, Riley's personality are starting to collapse, which kind of gives us that um, that race, race against the clock sort of 
mentality for the movie. Um, so they're trying to discover a way to get back while everything's kind of collapsing around them. Um, and they take, or they have Bing Bong try to lead them to where they can get back. They decide that getting on the train to headquarters is the best course of action. Yes. Um, so they're going through the train, um, or kind of chasing down the train and, uh, yeah, just kind of, or sadness and joy kind of get into it a little bit. Um, joy just getting frustrated with sadness, not being happy. Um, and we go through a couple different worlds. Yeah. Um, well, there's like the imagination world. Yeah. Um, what was the other one? The one was like, it was like really crudely animated. Um, it was like, I forget, it was like CGI, but everything had a weird kind of Picasso shape to it. Oh, the abstract thought. The abstract thought. <laughs> that was yeah. kind of a fun, fun scene. Um, they try to take a shortcut and they end up having to cross through abstract thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and so abstract thought starts breaking down um, their characters. At first, yeah, it becomes like a Picasso thing. And then it becomes like a 2D thing. Um, and then it becomes a one-dimensional thing. Um, like, basically, yeah, they're about to turn into nothingness. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was a fun little scene. Um, but yeah, basically, it's just kind of a race against time, trying to get back to this train, back to headquarters. Um, and when an I- one of the islands collapses, and here's... It was kind of a quick scene, but... Um, it really kind of solidified Joy being kind of the kind of the shithead in this movie. Um, this uh, uh, a tube that would send the memories back to headquarters cracks open, and Joy is able to get inside of it with all the core memories that she's saving. And Sadness tries to get into the tube as well, but when she's in there, it's starting to turn all of the core memories sad. So Joy, at that point, has decided to abandon um, sadness. Like, leave her out to, yeah, leave her out to die, basically. Um, Yeah. It was a pretty heavy scene. Like, they kind of glossed by it, and sadness seemed to forgive Joy pretty much immediately. Well, actually, not really. There was the chase scene. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. I definitely yeah. didn't put as much weight on that, but it definitely doesn't help out Joy's character at all. No. She just, yeah, straight up abandons sadness out there. Um, but the getting into the tube doesn't end up working, and they get stuck in the memory dump. The memory dump is just a giant pit filled with all of the things that they're just trying to, or like, the memories that are being forgotten. Yeah, basically when something goes into the long-term memory, it seems as though it pushes another long-term memory off the edge into Mm -hmm. the abyss, kind of just illustrating this idea that, you know, a human brain is kind of like a two-part storage cabinet, you know? You got your short-term and you got your long-term, but you can only fit so many. Yep. And I thought they illustrated that in a pretty pretty good way. Yeah. They put a lot of thought into, like, making it seem kind of like a factory but, like, with emotions and memories. Yeah, I I did appreciate that. There's a few plot holes within, like, kind of how the whole system works in the film. I really don't want to dive into them because I don't think they're really 
even worth it. I think this is a pretty, as far as Pixar goes, this thing is very much rooted in fantasy. Yep. Even though we see human characters, um, basically anytime the emotions are on screen, it's like, okay, I'm suspending my disbelief now. But I will say, to credit the uh, creators of this film, it came across pretty clear that they had a world set up before they started plugging characters into it. They kind of knew how this, the brain was going to work to a certain extent. Because, I mean, it would be hard to build those characters and kind of figure out the rules of the world as they go. I don't know. I just think, I got to imagine they kind of set some parameters and then let those characters roam within them because yeah i just thought that it seemed every time they explained a rule of how it worked it was like all right i can believe that yeah also was a big fan of how the long-term memory uh was meant to look like wrinkles on your brain so Mm. like you saw like them all kind of like weaving in and out um that was kind of how that was meant to look i didn't even notice that yeah um but yeah look at you with the fun facts got, got, got my own fun fact you know this is the original section of the podcast uh, but anyway uh where were we oh yeah uh joy and bing bong end up falling into the pit um and they're desperately trying to escape um trying to get out before being forgotten uh, meanwhile while this is happening um back at headquarters this is where they've decided that they are going to run away back to minnesota mm-hmm. um so it's kind of creating again more of a race against the clock here more race of against time like we got to get back and we got to stop this yeah. um and they find um bing bong's spaceship um which is there's a they kind of explained it earlier in the movie but basically it's a red flyer wagon with brooms attached to the side and it is powered by song yes yeah um so the more they sing the farther it can fly it's a little beat up a little broken down but it still works Mm -hmm. um so they're trying to launch off a giant ramp of forgotten memories to get back up to the surface level um and then there's another really heavy scene um yeah, kind of really rolling. Like, they saved all the heavy scenes for kind of a, a small portion of time. They really did. Yeah. Because in this scene, um, Bing Bong, or yeah, Bing Bong, it's Bing Bong's ship, and they're both trying to ride up together, but they keep falling just a little bit short. And it, the, or Bing Bong determines that if he jumps off, if he sacrifices himself, Joy should have enough speed to get up to the top. Um, he doesn't tell Joy this, he just does it. So he just sacrifices himself to being completely forgotten in order to get Joy back out. Uh, pretty cool move, Bing Bong. Cool move. Yeah. No, he's, he's definitely gotta be my favorite character in the film, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, just, just a good dude. Yep. Like, there was this part early on where it kind of seemed like he had ulterior motives it did yeah i was kind of wondering and i didn't like there wasn't like anything specifically said it was just one of those characters you're looking at i'm like i don't know about you kind of like too good to be true yeah um yeah but he basically saves the day and at that point i mean riley's like it's like the time is now she's at like the last second and she's mm -hmm. on the greyhound bus leaving 
And I think at this point, the hockey island in her mind has completely been destroyed. Yep. All of her interests are basically gone. And, um, yeah, she decides last minute to turn back. What is it that sparks that? Um, so it's, as soon as Joy gets out of the pit, um, she finds Sadness, and Sadness is trying to run away. She's like, Sadness... Joy is convinced sadness that she ruins everything. Oh, right, right. Um, but Joy, being a little industrious, figures out a way to launch both of them back to headquarters. Yeah. Um, utilizing a tower, yeah, a cloud of rain um, and a tower of fake boyfriends. Like, it was kind of a fun scene. Yeah. I liked it. Um, but yeah, they launch themselves back to headquarters and... Joy was about to take over the console to like try to get um try to get Riley to turn back and instead has sadness do it. Um makes Riley sad thinking about leaving home and running away from her parents, getting Riley to turn back. Um then they return home and yeah, it's kind of a nice wrap up to the movie. There wasn't really anything particularly heavy on the end of it. Yeah, they all hug it out on the... Yep. Oh, it does create a memory. It creates a new core memory. Mm-hmm. And it is a mixture of joy and sadness. Yeah. Which then kind of sets up like the next part of it where memories don't have to just be one emotion. Right. And it's kind of where like she's on the ground hugging her parents mm-hmm. and is crying... But then also Joy reaches over and touches the button and she realizes that she's also happy to be home. And Yeah. Yeah, nice little moment. Basically turning, yeah, giving the idea that not everything has to just be, you know, yeah, one emotion. You can have mixed emotions about things. Yeah. And then at that point we get a little flash forward, um, some happy music, and they've got a new control board. Mm-hmm. big and fancy all of the five emotions are working in unison and appear to get be getting along um they have stayed in san francisco she has continued playing hockey her parents are diehard fans very supportive um seems like she's making a few friends maybe even a boy mm-hmm. and uh yeah seems like california might work out for riley and her family after all and then there is a fun scene where they start flashing into the heads of just random characters throughout and showing like all of their emotions working together bus driver a cat yep um a teenage boy i think yeah the boy that she was talking to at the hockey rink yeah all of his emotions just start freaking out yep like losing their shit um the bus driver was fun it was all like, all of the character models were just anger, except they were different colors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the cat one. <laughs> where, like, all the... They're all just cats. Uh, and then one cat just hops up and starts walking across the board. And so, the, you know, like, when a cat just does random shit? Yep. Yeah, the cat just flies, like, a foot and a half into the air, two feet into the air, and just shrieks and takes off. Um yeah, just uh, a fun little, like, yeah, goofy wrap-up scene. Kind of like in Cars 1, where they're watching movies at the end of this thing. I love that. Yeah, and it's I all the that. Pixar movies, but if they were in the Cars universe. You are a toy <laughs> car! 
yeah uh, yeah so just fun little way to wrap it up really like this ending a lot i mm-hmm. thought it was well done but um yeah i think that's about it for the plot of this film yeah that's inside out and uh yeah what do you say we get back to our our beer review here and take a little break i'm down for that so we're wrapping up the edison which is a ipa is it a hazy yeah hazy ipa from revelation ale works out of halleck way up in northern minnesota that's where riley's from <laughs> got him it could be halleck is uh like one of the og hockey towns is it yeah as a matter of fact um ooh, this could be is that where wayne gretzky's from no but so i'm drawing a blank there is a town in minnesota that is seen as like the official hockey town I feel like it might be War Road, though. But, um, yeah, Halleck, Minnesota, real tiny. I know I know it is a hockey town, but I don't know if they're the, the original or not. Anyways, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm into this one. Uh, I do like the carbonation. I wish there was a little bit more. Um, nothing's really jumping out at me to set it like too far apart from other hazies shy of the carbonation level um i don't know it's just a much more refreshing smooth it doesn't quite leave that uh hazy coating on your tongue um, that a lot of them have um yeah pretty light crushable hazy yeah i really like this um i think uh for me i'm probably gonna go I'm gonna go three seven on this one kind of a middle of the pack you know i've i've said it before i'm a little hazed out myself um but this one was pretty pleasant i got some weird flavors towards the end did you as it warmed up i almost got like a smoky flavor towards the very end which seemed very off but like it had like a meatiness to it huh. super subtle but like yeah, crisp and cold. That first sip was really nice, and towards the end, I was kind of choking down that last little bit. But sure. I did let it sit for about thirty Just minutes. Don't let your hazies warm up. No, I'm gonna judge based on the first sip versus the last. Um, I liked this. I thought it was crisp. I thought, yeah, real nice carbonation, which I know a lot of people that are into hazies don't like. They're like, oh, but the carbonation destroys the mouthfeel, and. Um, I know to, a lot of brewers that subscribe to the same belief. To all of those people, you're wrong. <laughs> I agree. I I like this. This is my kind of hazy. I'm going to meet you at a 3.7. Nice. Make beers bubbly again, you know? Absolutely. Yep. Give me them crispy boys. Crispy boys forever. Um, but yeah, two three sevens. That's, that's a pretty nice rating. For sure would buy it again. Um, like I said nothing jumped out at me, really about it no it's not bad though yeah well there you have it three sevens across the board for the revelation edison what would you say your emotion attached to this beer would be hmm i'm gonna go process of elimination not disgust nope not anger fearful (laughs) it was maybe fearful when you said it was gonna be a hazy ipa sure maybe a little sadness too but then some joy (laughs) when it tasted pretty good all right, yeah. So you you got the your brain's got the full keyboard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody working together. My my brain's actually got a sixth emotion, but oh, that one only comes out every once in a while. 
Okay, tough guy. Is your sixth emotion tough? No, my sixth emotion is a party. Party. Okay. All right. And with that, why don't we uh, why don't we take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back with uh, Eric's tough guy party fun facts. That that sounds like a Pee Wee's Playhouse reboot. <laughs> you kind of look like Pee Wee. Fuck you. <laughs> we'll be back. So, as it turns out, the green trash can is not recycling. It's for greens, like compost and eggshells. Mm. And the blue one is recycling. And the black one is... Riley is acting so weird. Why is she acting so weird? What do you expect? All the islands are down. Joy would know what to do. That's it. Until she gets back, we just do what Joy would do. Great idea. Anger, fear, disgust. How are we supposed to be happy? Hey, Riley, I've got good news. I found a junior hockey league right here in San Francisco, and get this, tryouts are tomorrow after school. What luck, right? Hockey. Uh-oh, what do we do? Guys, uh, th- th- this, uh, here, you you pretend to be joy. Wouldn't it be great to be back out on the ice? Oh, yeah, that sounds fantastic. What was that? That wasn't anything like joy. Uh, because I'm not joy? Yeah, no kidding. Did you guys pick up on that? Uh-huh. Sure did. Something's wrong. Should we ask her? Let's probe, but keep it subtle so she doesn't notice. So, how was the first day of school? She's probing us. I'm done. You pretend to be Joy. What? Okay. Um, hmm. It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Oh, very smooth. That was just like Joy. Something is definitely going on. She's never acted like this before. What should we do? We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. Ahem. Uh-oh, she's looking at us. Uh, what did she say? What? Oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? He's making that stupid face again. I could strangle him right now. Signal him again. Ah, so, Riley, how was school? Oh, oh, are you kidding me? For this, we gave up that Brazilian helicopter pilot? Boo, I'll be joy. School was great, all right? Riley, is everything okay? (sighs) Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. What is her deal? All right, make a show of force. I don't want to have to put the foot down. No, not the foot. Riley, I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll show you attitude. No, 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 no. Stay happy! What is your problem? Just leave me alone. Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2. You heard that, gentlemen? DEFCON 2. Listen, young lady, I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this, Pops? Come and get it! Yeah, well, well... Here it comes. Prepare the foot. Keys to safety position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. Just shut up! Fire! That's it. Go to your room. Now. Foot is down. The foot is down. Good job, gentlemen. That could have been a disaster. Well, that was a disaster. What's up, everybody? You couldn't escape us for long. We are back. We hope you stayed with us. Uh, We chugged through the plot of this movie, and I don't know if you could tell, but it's not one of our favorites. It's fine. Exactly. I, I got nothing against it, but, like, it just, I don't know. It wasn't, uh... 
yeah, it wasn't wasn't the easiest. wasn't the most fun movie I had. Yeah, yeah. but we we got some fresh air after that first segment. Played a little bit of a uh, Starskin Hutch, as you may may or may not know. It is a, a favorite of the Suds Buds PS2 classic from 2003. Check it out if you if you know you know, and if you don't know now you know. Eric mowed down about 30 pedestrians. It was an accident. <laughs> I didn't try to. I didn't want to lose us that game or that episode, as they call it. Just a delight of a game. We'll get them. We'll get them. But in the meantime, what we're getting you with is some inside out fun facts. Here we go. We gonna crack open that conversation. Your boy's parched, pal. Yeah, maybe we should do that. So yeah, as you know, we're talking inside out, the the hit Pixar film from 2015, and we're pairing it with a delightful beer from the folks over at Portage, a favorite of the show. Um, Portage, they are out of Walker, Minnesota. Got a family cabin up there. Beautiful little place. Casino, lake, home to uh, Moondance Jam, if mm. people are familiar. Okay, yep, I've, I've heard the name. Yeah, big country. More Used to be more of a rock festival, kind of became a hair rock festival, now has become kind of a hair rock and country festival. Unfortunately. Sure. But well, I digress. This is the abstract substance, and the pairing this being abstract world they go through in inside out um and this is a table beer with basil juniper and lemon i don't know what a table beer is but i love the other three things yep so without further ado let's crack open this conversation also worth noting i'll snitch on myself this is a crowler and no crowler goes left unspilt in this studio i was gonna say i've never not seen him spill coming out of a crowler Oh, it's it's either like hot. I spill or I totally botch the pour. In this case, I didn't spill. No, I, I mean, just totally botched it's, the pour. It's draping a little bit. We're not going to count that as a spill. Instead, the result was about a two-thirds foam, one-third liquid. And Nate crushed his pour. I'm good with the crowlers. Now, if we would have switched it and Nate would have got first pour, he would have spilt and fucked it up. But I... <laughs> Whatever helps you sleep at night, buddy. You know how Jesus do. Uh, you know how Jesus do. All right, fun facts. So, I just want to get this one out of here first and foremost. I didn't even write it down, but a lot of people credit Inside Out with kind of being the the much-needed comeback in quality from Pixar. A lot of critics actually consider this, some, the best Pixar film, um, but a lot of them put it like top five. They kind of talk about how Pixar went through a slump in the 2000s with films like... Um, you know, the Cars series kind of lost its its luster by the time the from the first to the third one. Mm-hmm. The people that were kids and buying the merch for the first one had already grown up but weren't quite old enough to have kids of their own to appreciate the franchise. So it was kind of like a weird spacing. Um, and yeah, WALL-E was seen as a, a pretty prolific film, but also could see it going over a lot of the Pixar target audience's heads. Yeah more of a film for the parents um what else am i kind of missing here in the the mid 2000s um i feel like it was kind of like sequel city i mean we had ratatouille which was a heavy hitter yep we had brave which kind of was mixed to pretty solid reviews um but yeah anyways inside out was kind of by many seen as like the film that kind of Saved the studio. Not so much saved the studio, but kind of saved their reputation for being a 
a powerhouse when it came to thought-provoking children's films. Yeah, two, well, because they were saying from the 2000s or 2010. It was like the mid-2000s. They were talking about Pixar kind of went into a slump and they focused yeah. more on sequels than developing original content. I mean, you got mid-2000s, you got Cars, Ratatouille, Wally Up, and then two, um, 2010 was Toy Story 3, 11 was Cars 2, Brave 2012, Monsters U 2013. So yeah, out of that, I mean, Toy Story 3 was great, but we had Monsters U, Brave, Cars 2, Up was good, Wally, and Cars all in that one. So yeah, you got Cars 1 and 2 in that section. Sure. Which, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that. Yeah, but just wanted to get that one out of the way first and foremost but moving along did you know the bubbly texture of the character's skin cost a fortune to animate uh joy's effervescent skin was originally supposed to be limited to just her but the producers eventually applied it to every character at the risk of spending way too much of their budget kind of the idea being you know the the memory orbs are a big part of this world and the emotions themselves are made up of you know happy or angry orbs Mm -hmm. which it's weird it's very weird i thought um i watched this movie on two different tvs i watched it on my my big tv in the living room and then my not i mean it's still pretty big but smaller older tv in my bedroom um and yeah watching this on like a 4k tv versus like 1080 and a smaller screen it's almost kind of distracting on a big HD TV for how like sparkly. Well, and the characters are always moving. They're never static. It's like, even when there's like these dramatic conversations between the emotions, it's really distracting when their arms are like shaking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. It was one of those things where big difference watching it on two different screens, just from a home. I, yeah. I mean, like joy you notice it for sure all the time you don't necessarily notice it until you're paying attention with everybody else but joy is like covered in glitter joy's whole body um sadness is hair you really see it and then um anger you can really see it on his skin yep his red looks like he's like boiling the whole time Mm -hmm. um but yeah i found it distracting actually watching it on a better picture so there you go Kind of a weird take, but apparently it cost a lot of moolah. That would make sense. Uh, Did you know a team of 45 animators worked on the movie? About half the size of previous Pixar films. Um, And for the studio, it takes about a week to produce three seconds of animation. Mm. So, workload is the same. Well, I shouldn't even say that. The job is the same. Staff is... Oof. Imagine how long it was three seconds of animation for how long? A week? A week. Oh my god. That's. Can you imagine like finishing up your work week and you can just hit a button and it's just. Bup. That'd be. Yeah, I'd I'm, lose it. That means in about a year if one person's working on it. Because I'm assuming that's per person, right? Probably per animator. No. Well, I mean, it would maybe, have to be probably. There's got to be some sort of a breakdown, because otherwise, if that's all hands on deck, that means they're 
making three minutes of content a year. Well, but it's assuming, I mean, you're assuming that one animator is working on an entire scene, which isn't really the case. Like, you've got the character animators, you've got the background animators, you've got the lighting techs, you've yeah. got, you know, sound techs. Like, I don't know. I guess could use some clarification on it, but that uh, it's a big movie. Yeah. You know, people don't necessarily give, like I said, I've harped on it hundreds of times now. Animation, we kind of brush animated movies off, and uh, the amount of just straight labor that goes into them is astounding. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a weird one. But uh, moving along. Did you know one of the sequences was inspired by Saturday Night Live? So after joining the cast to voice Fear, actor Bill Hader invited filmmakers to SNL. And they spent a week in New York City on the show's set. The experience informed the dream production sequence in the movie. I did brush over that. I, yeah, I completely skipped over the dream sequence in the plot summary. It's a hard one to explain. Yeah. Because it's like inside of a dream and there's a studio filming the dream mm -hmm. and like they interrupt the shoot and... Well, and like the only thing plot-wise that came out of that part was... Uh, Joy fight figuring out that she's not always right. Yeah. Like that was self realization for her, but that was about the only thing that came out of that plot wise. It was a big scene. Yeah, it was because they were in the classroom. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very weird. Very weird. It was like her dreaming what would be happening with the other emotions taking over the control and screwing things up. Right. Well. The you know, the emotions, like the people at headquarters, they're just watching this. Um, but like their whole thing was they were trying to scare her awake. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yep. And so Joy, Sadness, and uh, Bing Bong were trying to like, well, Joy was trying to like thrill her awake by making her super happy. And like that's not how it worked. Um, and Sadness's idea of, like, kind of scaring her awake, making her feel sad, would work. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it wasn't, it was a really big scene for, to basically get Joy to admit she was wrong about something. Yeah. For the people that have seen the scene that we're talking about, maybe go back and watch that. It's the scene where they're inside the classroom and they're, like, filming a dream, essentially, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, upon seeing that scene and then kind of being familiar with SNL, it's kind of like a little bit of an inside baseball thing, kind of like a behind the camera, you know, you see like a boom and some film equipment and kind of panic on the set. So yeah, I guess I can kind of see where that came from a little behind the scenes look at, uh, SNL, which that sounds like a super cool experience, you know, translating to a scene in the film. Yeah. Um, did you know anger reads newspapers throughout the film and the headlines are always about what's happening with Riley, such as first day of school and no dessert. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a cool take. Um, did you know this is the second film, uh, 
second time a Pixar film has been uh, led by a female character. The first uh, since 2012's Brave. And actually, this one had a tandem. We had uh, Sadness and Joy, who both kind of act as the the lead protagonists, I guess, if you will. And um, unlikely comrades throughout the movie. So, yeah, only film to have two female leads um, for Pixar. And only the second to have a female lead, which pretty cool. About time. Yep. And, uh, well... Like I said uh, we discussed with Brave the other week where they didn't they didn't really land it with those. Um, the characters weren't developed. I yeah you know, I don't think either of us thought the characters were really developed enough. Um, but in this one, I mean, the characters were pretty well developed. It was just kind of like a. Uh, I'll argue that a little bit. Not okay. even argue, but I guess I have a little bit of a difference of opinion. But mm-hmm. I'll probably save that for the conclusion of this. Sure. I do think having Amy Poehler and Phyllis Smith as a voice tandem, it works for a children's film. They're very much kind of uh, black and white in this case, but I think that's kind of needed. Um, example being like a Buzz and Woody or something like that. But Sure. I think it works to a certain extent, but I do think the characters could have used a little more work, and maybe I'll be able to put my finger on it by the end of this. But moving along. Um, did you know the console in the headquarters is relative to Riley's age? So from birth to the final moment in the film, mm-hmm. um, where she's happy in California, it, uh, it expands, gets a lot more buttons, a lot more bells and whistles. And, uh, yeah, thought that's kind of a cool, cool little take. The world grows as she does. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Cause when she was born, it was just the one button. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, by the end, it really fits the term headquarters. Yep. Um, did you know psychologists and sleep experts worked closely with the writers on this film? So we've talked before about how people in production with Pixar on the writing team, they'll do really deep dives into industries or line of works if they pertain to that particular film. And in this case, uh... Yeah, psychologists and, and sleep experts, and I think that's probably necessary. Yeah, I mean, especially if they want, like, to have some cool details with everything. Yeah. Um, just to have those expert opinions. Because, like we've said, I mean, even with, like, the animation things, where they had, you know, for Toy Story and the Army Men, they had people walking around with boards strapped to their feet. Yep, exactly. Like, just doing things where you wouldn't, you don't necessarily know the amount of work, but you would know if it wasn't right. Yes, especially when you are at times trying to like replicate real-world physics and bring it to computer-generated imagery. Yeah. So, yeah, makes sense. Pixar doing their research. Classic. Uh, did you know it's only one small change, but it's definitely an interesting one. Riley's father daydreams about either hockey or soccer, depending on the country of release. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Kind of fun. Yeah. Um, talking cast here. Did you know? Asked if they wanted to play any other emotion, Amy Poehler, Bill Hader, Phyllis Smith, and Mindy Kaling all chose the role of anger, played by Louis Black. Although, he admitted that the role suited him perfectly, 
If Black could have picked another emotion, it would have been disgust. <laughs> okay. They all chose fear. Huh. No, anger. Or anger. At, uh, can't. Maybe Mindy. I could see her being anger. Amy Poehler. <laughs> I could see her being anger. I mean, even though she's joy, she does kind of yell through this whole movie. Yeah, that's true. But, like, Amy Poehler always kind of sounds happy even when she's angry. Like, in anything I've seen her in. Yeah. You know, like, Parks and Rec. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, even when she's angry, there's just a little... Like, you're not... You're not buying, like, the pure rage part of it. Sure. You know what I mean? I get that. I think I, Mind- I think Mindy could do it, though. I think Bill Hader could, too. I can't see Phyllis Smith being angry. I think she was cast pretty well. Mm-hmm. Maybe seen her as fear. I could have seen that. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think of those five names, they probably got put in the the roles I would have cast them in. Yep. Um, did you know more than half of the emotions starred on The Office? So we got Phyllis Smith, voice of sadness, Mindy Kaling, voice of disgust, and Bill Hader, fear. What was Bill Hader in The Office? I'm not sure. I don't think Bill Hader was in The Office, was he? Maybe he made like a cameo. Now I want to know. Yeah, but it says all those names have uh, previously at least once starred on the American version of The Office, as did Rashida Jones, who plays the cool girl's emotions. Let's see. Um... You can fin- start with your thing, and then I'll, I'll get to it. Well, that takes me to the end of fun facts. Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, trying to think if I got anything else off the top of my head. Maybe going to save it for closing thoughts on this film, but uh, yeah, think, hopefully hit uh, some fun stuff in there. Oh, I guess he was just in the finale Okay. of The Office, which makes... Okay. There you go. There you go. That's what you get for trying to fact check my phone facts. Both Bill Hader and Seth Meyers are playing themselves in The Office. Hmm. Never seen it. The finale or any of it? Not, never really seen in full episode. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Hey. Nate's uh, thoughts on The Office? It's fine. Like it, it's, I don't know. They have fun, but like at a certain point, it's just. It feels like it kind of just went on too long. But that might get us canceled if we keep going down this road. I don't know. That's kind of what turned me off of the show is like every time Steve Carell was on screen talking, like the few episodes I popped into, I was kind of mm-hmm. like, I feel like this is going on too long. Yep. <laughs> like It's just, it's kind of like. But I think that's kind of why people love it is it's like, from what I understand, like 50% like this is so cringy and it's going on so long that this is really funny. And then also just like some really good, like jokes and physical stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just hijinks after hijinks. And like, that's kind of the whole thing. I'd probably like it. I've never, in all honesty, I've never really given it a chance. It's one of those shows. If you have no context and the only opinion you have on the show is based on walking in to like people finishing the last five minutes of an episode, it kind of sucks, but I mean, as with most things. Well, that's not true. You ever walked in on, like, the last five minutes of an action movie? 
Yeah, but it's like, and, sweet. But dude. I never watch. I never hang out and watch it because gets I don't the wanna, girl hops I, on the motorcycle. Cue the Phil Collins right off into the sunset. Maybe zap an alien with a shotgun on the way out or something. Feel like you're watching too much heat. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> I might watch that movie when I get home. Is in the air tonight in heat? Um, I think so. They've got a lot of that booming kind of sound. Nice. A lot of, lot of 808s and, and heat. A lot of 808s and heat. Love it. Well, uh, while you're looking at the soundtrack to heat, why don't I uh, <laughs> talk some music? Hey. That's how you do a segue, Nathan. Did you know in May 2014, Michael Giacchino, we've talked about this guy, he was announced to compose the film's score. The producers met with Giacchino to discuss the film's concept and screen it for him. In response, he composed an eight-minute suite of music, unconnected to the film, based on his emotions while viewing it. And uh, since uh, Giacchino and Doctor were both musicians, they were really able to discuss kind of the score and its relation to uh, the story and the characters in a kind of musical way, which I think was... It's kind of unique, and they even talk about how, um, for, um, it was, I forget which film it was for, it was for the orchestral stuff on Up, maybe, and maybe Monsters, Inc., too. Okay. Um, Pete Doctor actually sat in and played bass, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, um. Kind of cool when you have, I guess, a director that um, is also well-versed in the world of music. I mean, I'm speaking as a non-musician to a musician, but, like, I guess the I'm way gonna, I... I'm going to gatekeep you so hard here. <laughs> feel free to poke <laughs> holes in this logic. Okay, but, okay. Um, let's say you are a director, right? Mm-hmm. And you're doing this short film. You're going to have a lot better idea of what you want in terms of music and how to convey that, even if you're not scoring it yourself, like even if you're shopping that work off to someone else. Yep. You, in theory, should have to go through less drafts and less notes because you should be better able to convey what you're looking for in terms of how a composer speaks because you are a director and you have a background in musical theory. Whereas like, you know, I, I'm not an actor, but I went to film school. I went through the directing program. Had I had acting experience, it would have taken my directing to a whole nother level when it came to talking with cast. Yep. Because I'd know how to speak that same language. Cause there's, there's a difference between, you know, having done it and having read about it. I've read a shitload about, you know, directing for the screen and acting and, you know, mm-hmm. movements relative to camera and blocking. But having not acted, I'm still, I still am a bar below, you know, someone who is a, um, I don't know. Maybe it's not the greatest analogy. No, but. I mean, it's it actually, it's kind of a, the philosophy that I use a lot um, where it's like the I'm better at my job when I know how everybody else does their job. 
Like, the more I know about what everybody else does, the more successful I am in what I do. Like, that's, I mean, that that stretches across music, work, like, even design work. It's like, the more involved, you don't have to be as good as everybody at their stuff. But if you know how they think, how things work in a different section, then you can communicate better with them. Yeah. Is that, yeah, absolutely true. Another fun example, I was on a, a film shoot one time that actually had an armorer on set. So an armorer is basically someone whose sole responsibility is to handle um, firearms and weaponry, whether it be, you know, some sets they'll have someone who focuses on bladed weapons, mm-hmm. others who focus on firearms. In this case, the guy had both and basically had, you know, talk to the director in advance and the production team and then showed up with his company truck and cases of these fake prop guns and they found what they needed for the shoot. Um, but basically he was trying to, it, it was a weird thing because the director did not know how to use a gun. So he basically had to call the armorer in to kind of more or less direct this scene mm-hmm. for three people. Just so happened that one of the actors had hunted, knew some firearm safety, had his concealed carry, whatever. So he was able to kind of help teach the other talent. Oh, you know, this is trigger finger placement, things like that. So it's kind of one of those things where I think that, um, I don't know, it, it just helps speak another person's language. Yeah. Which I think is always ha- like helpful when it comes to work. I think I'm kind of going on about this for a while because I don't have a lot of music facts facts for this episode but um i think strong opinion but i think that pete doctor like playing in an orchestra that is the score for his own film that he's directing is almost as cool if not cooler than cameoing in your own film oh for sure which he also does in this so who's he the cameo for um he plays the um I think it's the angry. Is it the dad's I think, anger? I think it's the dad's anger. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Let's see. I think I think you're right because it was one of those like, for every other character, like when it was flashing into their heads, like it tended to be an actor that was already playing the person from before. Yeah. Um. It's kind of funny. We um. We've gone about this in kind of a broken chronological order. We're going through the franchises in order, which kind of inevitably breaks up our timeline a little bit. We end up jumping ahead a bit. But one theme I've noticed through doing this show is that throughout the first half of this season, it was a lot of talk about John Lasseter on the directing side and a lot of talk about um, Randy Newman on the music side. And it seems like once we move further into the 2000s, it's more Pete Doctor and Michael Giacchino. And knowing what we know about Lasseter and maybe him having some kind of questionable, and let's just say it, not so awesome personality traits. um, Yeah, man, it's cool to see someone like Pete Doctor really succeed and... um, and, yep. and run with this. And I think he's from Minnesota, too, actually. Oh. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe him and Riley are from the same town. I'm like 90% sure he's from Minnesota. Yep. He was born in Bloomington. Yeah. So. Huh. There you go. 
Yeah, Minnesota boy, musician. Um, How funny would it be if he had a doctor and he told people, like, you have to call me doctor. What's up? I'm doctor, doctor. That would be amazing. Tell me the news. But, man, that that adds a whole other layer to this movie. Mm-hmm. He's from Minnesota. Pixar is based in Southern California. I mean, kind of parallels the yeah. journey of this film pretty well. And it parallels the journey of this podcast pretty well, Eric. It does. We're both, you know, from Minnesota. Well, back when it was me and Dustin doing this show, we were doing it from Minnesota. Yep. And now we do it uh, from sunny California. Yeah. You know, we we are inside out. <laughs> I am Dr. Pete Doctor. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a movie about the Sudspuds. You know, there's a lot of references you people might not have got from it. Um, but it is. We're a documentary now. <laughs> That's fine. I don't know, man. I think the heat's getting to our head. What do you say we wrap this thing up? I'm down for that. I've been sweating since I sat down. All right. Final thoughts on the movie. Um, I'm going to go out with my ranking right off the bat. This is film number 19 for us. For you. For us. Oh, for Oh, okay. Thought you were putting it in last place. No, nope. like, damn. Okay, this is our nineteenth film, but our twentieth episode technically, I believe. Yep. With up to no good. Um, I'm gonna put it at seventeen of nineteen. I know it sounds low because it is a little low, but that comes in just below Finding Dory and just above Cars Three. Sounds right. Yeah, I think for you, you got Cars Two and Three right at the bottom. I think I might be the same with that one, but um. My ranking, I'm going to do a little bit higher. I think I'm putting it in at 13, um, which would put it right below uh, Toy Story 2, but I did like it a little more than Brave. Sure. Um, I felt like it just, there was more actual story. Brave was kind of like a point A to point B. Like, I don't know. I did, the, Again, I, I think I said it earlier, but the character, characters in Brave didn't really develop for me. Whereas Up was a little different. Yeah. Um, and with Up, the character development was kind of weird because each of those, like, each of the emotions, their whole thing was they had to have basically one emotion the whole time. Which I think could have been challenging. I mean, granted, it was voice acting. Like, if it was, like, a live action, you know how hard it would be to, like, Oh, you have to, you know, do an hour and a half, two hour run, but um, you can only convey one emotion. <laughs> yeah. Like that would just be, yeah, it'd be a weird one. Yeah. So you said 13 for you? Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to think of some final thoughts on this one. I think... Back to that slight disagreement I had with you earlier about the characters. Mm -hmm. I think that's maybe the one thing that kind of knocks it down for me is that I think this film falls victim to having a voice cast that is bigger and more charismatic than the characters themselves that they're playing. And if that's not the intention, I think that sometimes that can kind of hurt a film because... At least in my case, I know I've talked about it before, but like, you know, a Toy Story by number four, you forget it's 
Tim Allen and Tom Hanks. You forget that by the end of the first one just because the characters are so rock solid and so established. And here the characters aren't bad. I mean, they are what they are. They're, they're emotions and they convey that. But Joy, I still can't get past the fact that it's, you know, it's Amy Poehler the whole time. And that's mm-hmm. just kind of how I, I view it. You know, it's hard to not think of anger as Lewis Black, especially when you have these voices kind of playing their real life character archetypes that they're often cast as sure like kind of a typecasting sort of thing yeah yeah so like listening to a bubbly amy poehler lead a film for almost two hours but constantly trying to remind us it's not amy poehler Mm -hmm. seems kind of weird and i guess for me that's um yeah i don't know that's the downside of casting really big personalities in a film where maybe the characters could have been a little better sure um yeah i i'm kind of with you like again because they can only convey one emotion the whole time like that's kind of their thing yeah it's yeah it's tough especially like again back to amy poehler like everything i've ever seen her in tends to be pretty bubbly um so like it's just yeah it's typecasting which i mean typecasting can work but like it's a little tricky with animation because like if i hear amy puller and i see her well okay she's playing a character but when it's animated like like the voice behind the curtain kind of thing like you recognize that voice yeah, and Amy Poehler might even be a unique case because she is, I mean, she's stellar just about any time she's in front of the camera, you know, in live action stuff, on stage, and sketches, she steals the show. And then she also has that voice that's so iconic where, like, for a lot of people, like, ah, oh, you gotta, you know, you gotta face for radio, kid, you know hey. what I mean? That kind of thing. But, I mean, it's she she's one of those actors where it's like um she does both so well i think Mm -hmm. that it's i don't know for me it's it's like yeah i don't want to i don't want to be here sounding like don't cast amy poehler in (laughs) voice action or animated films but also it's like eric is the president of hate amy poehler fan club yes yeah actively trying to get her canceled (laughs) Um, no, I, I just think that maybe it goes back to that fun fact about everyone wanting to play anger. Mm-hmm. Maybe if they would have cast it ironically and had Amy Poehler's anger and had Lewis Black as joy and had Mindy as fear and had Bill Hader as sadness and, uh, I don't uh, think I could have handled the sad Bill Hader. Phyllis as, a uh, uh, Phyllis Smith as a uh, disgust, like could have been kind of funny. That could have been good. You know, uh, maybe you'd forget about who was playing them, but I don't know. It's a small critique, but yeah, not one of my favorites, but I do think it has some merit. I do think it's worth watching. Um, also want to touch on the ending real quick. I liked that they wound up in California. I think that had the girl basically Riley had her kind of breakdown and had they been like, okay, honey, we're going to move back to Minnesota. 
I feel like maybe it would have given us a sense of closure and a storybook ending, but it would have taken a lot of realism out of it, especially for like the parents where it's like, well, that's just not real. Like sometimes, you know, things happen in life and you have to relocate and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like, just cause you don't love this new school in the first week doesn't mean that moving back home is always going to be an option. And it's kind of a sad reality, but yeah. Um, I'm with you on that. I think it would have kind of been a a cheap shot to do it. I right. saw it going that way, though. Oh, I, I never saw it going that way. Because even when they talked about, there was even, like, the sense that the parents weren't quite acclimating the quickest either. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was that hug on the floor when she's, like, you know, just spilling her guts and she doesn't want to be there and stuff and she misses home. Like, I totally thought the next shot was going to mm-hmm. be a plane landing in minneapolis no although i would have loved to see pixar animating minneapolis yeah it just seemed like the the cheap point a to point b kids movie ending and Mm -hmm. i'm glad they didn't do that yep also something about hockey in california pretty freaking cool (laughs) well i love going to pretty warm i love i love going to california hockey games i'm all about it yeah me too I'm, i'm there every pretty much every evening I'm a big California-specific hockey fan. Some sticks under the sun. <laughs> well, what do you say we rate this beer and we get out of here, huh? Yeah, we got a hockey game to get to. We got a hockey game. This is we the... Got hockey tickets. <laughs> We're going to watch the, uh, the... Who do we got here in California? The San Jose Sharks. I did it. <laughs> I'm so proud did of you. Did it. So proud of you, Eric. Yeah. Miami Heat. <laughs> yep, well, we also have that. And boy, let me tell you, it's hot. You know? Yes, it is. So I'll stop stalling. Uh, this was the abstract substance, which is what Nate smokes every night before he goes hey. to bed. Uh, this beer has basil, lemon, and juniper. I love this. I'm coming out strong. I'm going to give this a five. Ooh. Because it big. fits everything that it says on the can. Yep. It is a table beer, and it is currently sitting on my table. It tastes <laughs> like lemon. It has lemon in it. It tastes like basil. It's got that in there. Juniper. Ooh little bit of the piney in my bubbly it's got a little bit of juniper in there too this is this is gin and juice in a can this is floral (laughs) this is effervescent this has a beautiful cloudy orangish tinted the color did throw me off a little bit it's a weird color but i'm very excited i freaking love this beer it's very good i'm giving it a five star I'm, i'm throwing up a fat circle change to myself and I'm swinging my Louisville slugger, and I'm hitting this one deep over the green monster because we are in sunny California. Sure. Yep. Excellent reference Nate, to 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 the, the the state that we live in. Yeah. Very if I good. didn't correct myself, Nate would actually think I'm right. So so I don't sound like a jabroni. I I'm hitting switch hitter, and I'm parking this thing over the right field wall into McCovey Cove. If you know, you know. <laughs> Uh, Nate, um, you take it from all here. Right, yeah, I'm going to take it from here. Uh, yeah, this beer, um, as the kids say, slaps. Uh, that basil's coming out swinging on this one. Um, I honestly, I almost like kind of smelled some pepper to it, but then when I tasted it, no, it's just a nice heavy basil. The juniper kind of sitting in the middle, just a little tucked in. I was like, where is it? You know, you, you find it right there. That and pine, it, you get it right on like the inside of your cheeks a little bit. Uh-huh. It's got like an almost chilled effect, which is nice. 
Um, and then, yeah, it finishes with a nice, subtle lemon, but without killing you on, like, the tartness. Like, it does, like, just a touch of tart, but then it kind of levels back out. Um, yeah, this is a fantastic beer. Uh, absolutely would buy again, and it does also pass the I can drink multiples because this is the third pour I've had of it. I think I'm also going with a five, which is a little weird because we matched on both beers today. Yeah, dude. Uh, also give credit where it's due. Birthday boy did pick the beers for this week, so I'm good at what I do. You know, I'm a professional. Yeah, yeah. I got some work to do before the next one. I think that's what we found out. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you just uh. You'll get there someday, kid. Also, it helps that I live... Literally, I'm is on the way to get here. Yeah. It's not too far from in, my house. In sunny California. In sunny California. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so shout out to Ambibulous for being close to my house. Yeah. Bless your heart. Oh, man. Yeah, you nailed it with this one. Great beer. We hope you enjoyed the show. We had a good time today. Um... Yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks to uh, producer Salsa Dave for chopping it up for us. We appreciate that. Adding uh, zany sound effects when needed. Honorable Judge Salsa Dave. Honorable Judge Salsa Dave, your, your high honor. Um, <laughs> yeah, what else we got? Oh, yeah, the the Gmail. It's sudsbudspod at gmail.com. We appreciate feedback and interaction. We try to reply as quick as we can. Beer recommendations, always appreciated. Uh, and arguments. We had one of those a couple weeks ago, and it was a good time. Yeah. Shoutouts to uh, Anna from the internet. Uh, we are Suds Buds Pod on Instagram. We drop posts, zany posts that uh, Nate makes uh, every Thursday on Instagram. And then our episodes also drop every Thursday on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, PodMN, and where I listen to my podcasts, Spotify. So, yeah, we'll catch you next time for our episode of The Good Dinosaur. Well, very, this is, again, one of, like, yeah, one of the first ones where I haven't seen it yet. So I'm excited to, like, have a first watch through. Yeah, we'll see. Is it as good as Jurassic Park? Well, I'm going to finish so. the third Jurassic Park, then I'll watch Good Dinosaur. Yeah, the yeah. one with William H. Macy. William H. Macy? He's in the third Jurassic Park. Is he really? Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's the dad. He's the dad. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So, right, let's review those movies next week. All three of them. All right, tune in next week as Nate and I talk shameless. <laughs> Cheers, everybody.
swallow my pride, I would choke on the rinds, but the lack thereof would leave me empty inside. Swallow my doubt, turn it inside out, find nothing but faith in nothing. Wanna put my tender heart in a blender, watch it spin round to a beautiful oblivion. Rendezvous, then I'm through with you. I burn, burn like a wicker cabinet. But faith